me how do you put up with these two my answer good snacks and video games hey you guys what's going on welcome to the ron and don show and heck yeah we are live from the les schwab studio what is up ron and don nation hey hope everybody had a great fourth of july and chances are it's still a fourth of july week so summer is here in the great specific northwest so we hope you're out having a lot of fun you guys coming up on the ron and don show yeah, bidding for homes. What about bidding for homes that you want to rent? Seems like uh, rentals now are taking off. We'll talk about that in our real estate segment. Also, if you're stressed out, science says you should do this. Before we do this, though, let's do this. Uh, divers have recovered the head of Hercules. What is going on here? I did not know. Call me stupid, you guys. I did not know the head of Hercules was missing. Evidently, it was, and after a couple thousand years, uh, it's been recovered. This is a, I don't know if I can even do a good job of explaining this, but there's a thing called the Antikythera, I believe is how you say it, Antikythera mechanism, and divers found this back in the 1900s, and and what it is, is uh, scientists believe this is the very first analog computer that was ever made in antiquity. And at the time when they found it, it was all, it was a piece of bronze and brass that had corroded together. So uh, when they first found it, they really didn't know what it was. They thought it might have been a religious artifact or maybe some sort of piece of artwork. And then they bring this up and they start to, as modern technology came around where you could scan it and put this mechanism into uh, different sort of machines, x-ray machines and micron scanners. They figured out that there's it's this super complicated machine. So I'm going to set that to the side and get back to Hercules for a second. So this is a very famous dive site uh, by Antikythera. And, and again, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. And so over the years, these the first group of divers were just sort of treasure hunters. They were just going down, grabbing everything. They grabbed an arm of a statue. They grabbed this device. They're grabbing. They're hoping there's gold down there. They're just looking for artifacts. Then the Greek government steps in and goes, wait a minute, these, these are priceless antiquities that we want to study and put in museums. So then they, they sort of closed off this dive site. And they're like, no, we just can't have a guy and his boat and his buddies out there diving for sponges, picking up stuff that's you know thousands of years old, like time out. We're going to do this in a more systematic way. Mm. So they cataloged a bunch of stuff. Then the, the site was shut down. And they said, we're not going to allow any more diving here for the time being. Then a, a, a dive group came together and petitioned the government to say, we would like to go back. Now we have better technology. We have these submersibles. We have ways of not disturbing the site with little air jets and, and uh, you know robotics that can remove stuff without completely just running roughshod over the site and hopefully to recover some more artifacts. The government granted them permission to do this. That's when they went down and they found what the previous divers, the sponge divers, thought were boulders. 
And it turns out with the new scanning technology, these are actually like the head of Hercules and in statues that they believe were being transported by water in ancient Greek, ancient Greek times and ancient Romans. So it's a really interesting article. The thing that's fascinating to me is the mechanism part. And so I follow this guy on YouTube. His, his channel's called ClickSpring. And he's he's been brought in by these foundations that are studying this. He's trying to recreate, he's not trying, he is recreating this mechanism based on the x-ray scans using the technology of the time. Mm. And so there's a, it's like a 15, 20 part series of this guy. He's in Australia and he is machining this thing with files and like, like as if he was in ancient Greece and he's goes through and he's like, how did they, how did they make this part? And, and what sort of machinery was available to them? How, what, what, how hot could you make a fire in ancient Greece? Like he, he goes through and he breaks it down and the complexity of this device is astonishing with the mathematics, the engineering, it would calculate, uh, you know, eclipses. It could calculate times. It could calculate all sorts of movements of the moon cycles and everything on this one round disc with many levers and gadgets and springs and all this stuff inside. And it, it really is the world's first analog computer. Yeah. And they also did a study back then on how long you should cook. And they did it on this device, you guys. How long you should cook microwave bacon that is already pre-cooked? I go four minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, they found out through this device, though, the perfect time is actually three minutes and 57 seconds, right? Wow, dad joke just hit hard. <laughs> Fourth of July week, we're preserving uh, the independence of dad jokes. Yeah, all right. Hey, you guys, uh, you're about to hear from some of our great clients, and then we will see you on Laura Miller is one of the leading commercial real estate brokers around the sound. You see her name everywhere. But when she needed to sell her own home in West Seattle, she turned to Ron and Don. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were going to provide their services were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. As someone who regularly handles multi-million dollar deals, Laura has high standards and expectations, and she says the guys exceeded them. I like to have a fair amount of communication as to what's going on in the market, what are you doing today, <laughs> to um, you know move the sale forward. And they were collaborative. They came forward with some really great ideas, even little details like, could you water the plant while you're there? They're like, uh, of course. And they would show me them watering the plant. <laughs> In no time, they got a deal done. Laura got even more than she hoped for. And she says she couldn't be more impressed with their service, attention to detail, and results. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. You did really well. They're awesome. They are just people you want to hang out with. <laughs> And if you're ready to get more for your door and work with some pretty awesome guys as well, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. There's a really interesting thing that is happening. And I've been talking to my friends that own apartment buildings. This, this, this is what's weird is before the pandemic happened, if you owned a mom and pop apartment building, 
Uh, <sighs> Define a mom and pop apartment building. What does that mean? You know, like like uh, my friend Joe was looking for an apartment building, and so we went and bought a sevenplex up in Fremont. So sevenplex owned by a local LLC, maybe or a local couple or a couple partners, whatever that is. Maybe you don't bring in a management company because you're going to manage it yourself. Typically, you know, maybe you have a, a shared room where everybody does their laundry. There's not a lot of amenities. Maybe there's parking. Maybe there's not. And it's certainly, you know, you don't you're, you don't see a lot of seven plexes, let's say, with seven doors in downtown Seattle because that's where all the big apartment buildings are. And what was happening with apartments and condos downtown that's where everybody wanted to live because you want to walk out the door and be down at the market, uh, buying some fish, catching a fish, buying some fresh flowers, buying fresh ingredients, going back to uh, your condo or your apartment and having friends over and just living the dream. Maybe you don't even have a car. You don't need it because you're just walking around in downtown. Then the pandemic happened. Then uh, the Black Lives Matter movement happened. We lost a quarter of our police force in Seattle. And all of a sudden, downtown didn't feel safe anymore. Number one, it didn't feel safe because you felt like if you were living in stacked living, you would just keep catching COVID, which you're watching Dr. Anthony Fauci now, I think, deal with COVID for the second time. He's gotten rather sick. And I think people are looking at that and going, wow, even if I made it through the first wave, can I make it through the seventh wave? How do I place myself in a position where I'm not exposed to so many people? Because every time I get in that elevator, if I'm staying in an apartment complex that has 200 units, I'm getting in that elevator with somebody new each and every time. Do I really want that gym apartment? Do I really want to walk out the door and go into a different bar and restaurant where there's so many other people that have maybe traveled from all over the world? And, and what renters want now is they want the mom and pop. They don't necessarily want to live in downtown Seattle. Doesn't maybe doesn't feel safe for them, or maybe they're exposed to too many people, right? And so these mom and pop, and we have them a, a lot of these in Queen Anne and Fremont and Ballard, where you have a couple doors in there, and again, maybe you have some parking, maybe you have a shared laundry facility. I'm telling you, there's a lot of pressure now on these properties that they weren't feeling before. Because people don't want to get in an elevator. They want to go up maybe one flight of stairs. They don't want to have 600 neighbors, but they're okay with six. And because of that, there is so much pressure now being placed on the rental market. And as people have figured out, especially with Airbnbs and millennials have figured this out, and they're saying, you know, and I have people come stay at my Airbnbs all the time. Where are you from? You know, there's a car parked out in front of my house right now. The young man is staying downstairs in my ADU. He works for Amazon. He has to go to the campus once or twice a week. He's often here in the basement of the house, though. He's from Colorado, and he's here for the summer for the next four months. He's booked this thing out. And he wasn't moving here. Uh, he was just coming here, working from here. And we're seeing a lot of that pressure now in the rental market. So you have people that are working, traveling, and they're taking a lot of these Airbnb units away from people that are just trying to book a place for a weekend to go on vacation and as a renter over here so i don't have to clean a place out so much and i don't have turnover i would rather have somebody come for and rent for 30 60 120 days versus someone come for three financially and emotionally uh it just makes more sense it's pretty unbelievable 
all the bidding that we saw on homes, right? And we'll still see some of that a little bit. All this bidding that we see on homes has now turned into a bidding war uh, for rentals. And Ron, we saw this years ago when we lived in San Francisco. If you didn't show up with a bag of cash, you weren't going to get that apartment in the city of San Francisco. I don't think we're there yet here in the city of Seattle, but there are a lot of people that are sitting out now and saying, okay, I'm going to wait for interest rate because the Fed said the interest rates may come down 18 months from now. So maybe what I'll do is I'll go rent and then 18 months from now, when interest rates come down, I'll jump back in. Yeah, this seems like a new phenomenon to me. There's been some websites and services apps that have developed where, uh, especially, I think they, they cited some parts of Chicago, some parts of New York, some parts of LA, where when a rental unit is available, people are taking a page from the home buying market and applying it to an apartment where they write a love letter, which is basically to, to the landlord saying, dear landlord, we love your place. Uh, we want you to pick us and they'll have a picture of them and their, their partner. And it sort of explains who they are and where they work. And then the, the apps are allowing people to bid up over the, the advertised price of the rental. And so this is something, when I first read it, I was like, wow, I never anticipated that. Like typically in all the stuff I've ever rented out, the price is the price. Uh, you go to an apartment unit, and it's like, hey, this is $2,000 a month, and that means it's $2,000 a month. And so now it's so competitive at these sought-after locations that people are saying, I will pay you $2,300 a month, $2,400 a month. There was one uh, example in the article, I think in New York City, where uh, someone bid $1,000 extra per month uh, to take down a, a place that they wanted to rent. They're like, we want to rent this one so badly. Here's our love letter, um, and we're going to give you basically an extra $12,000 per year uh, in rent, above and beyond the, the, the price that we were willing to pay or the price you advertised it at uh, to, to stay here. So this is a new phenomenon. I, I don't it wouldn't surprise me if this starts popping up in Seattle for specific neighborhoods, not everywhere, but in specific neighborhoods where uh, the housing stock is super low that you, you could see this. Yeah. And one of the reasons you see rents going up now is there were so many landlords and, and I being one of them that were afraid to raise rents to market value because you're afraid the person on the other side would stop paying you and the government would be behind it and you couldn't kick them out. So you, as a landlord, you were just thankful that you were getting anything. And now that the moratorium has been lifted and you have an opportunity to raise those rents, in some cases, you know, landlords are raising rents three, five, six hundred dollars And, and as a result of that, it, it, all, all they're, all they're doing is bringing it and correcting it back to market rents. Uh, that's forcing, some people out. So maybe you have a two bedroom and you're like, wow, I can't afford this anymore. So I'm going to have to downsize to a one. It opens up that two bedroom. And if you can find the three bedroom, which seems impossible, uh, then people start competing for that. So, hey, guys, don't go anywhere. We, we hear a lot of these bud, buzzwords now about leveling up, right? Let's all level up. We hear a lot of people talking about mindset. And it always bugs me when you... When people take words like mindset and leveling up and they're like, I'm going to go create a podcast or write a book. I think of Mark Madsen, the, uh, the subtle art of not giving an F, and he writes this book. 
And then, and then come to find out he hasn't even been living that. And he's like, I'm burned out. <laughs> Did you read that article this week? Yeah, I'm burned out. And so he basically has had to go read his book and take his own advice. <laughs> so I think we have to be really careful sometimes about going out and buying all this information. Just because you read it doesn't mean it changed you. Just because you put a meme about it or you posted or you said something, it doesn't mean that it changed you. It doesn't mean that you leveled up because you read about leveling up. It doesn't mean that you changed your mindset because you changed your mindset. It takes a lot of work. Let's talk about that work on the other side. Hey, you guys. Ron Don with Mitch Not Loans. This just happened yesterday. We closed on a house. This house is listed for around 125. We had to go to 17 something something to beat a cash offer and to land this house. We had to go over 17. In the middle of this negotiation, our buyer lost their financing and it wasn't their fault. Mitch steps in, saves the day. We beat a cash offer, we land the house, right? We absolutely did, and that felt great for them. They had to switch financers mid-process, mid and we jumped in and helped, and we closed quick. Um, you know, when you're going against a cash offer, a lot of people want to close in 15, 21 days, whatever it is. Uh, Ron and Don asked, how quick can we close? And we end up able to close in time to beat a cash offer. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about you, Mitch, is if, if someone has a big bank loan uh, out of North Carolina, they're not answering their phone on a Saturday when we're putting this offer together. You picked up your phone. You got me that pre-approval. We got the deal done. Closed that yesterday. If you want Mitch to be on your team like he is, was on this deal, go to Mitch.loans right now. One half percent of your loan value can come back to you in various forms. Mitch will explain that to you. Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Again, if you need us, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we're happy to sit down with you today. It's just basically a virtual conversation. We'll find out if we're a good team. And we got a lot of homes coming on, you guys. And we got a lot of people that are back in the market saying, let's go buy. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it, especially investors out there. Ronanddonsitdown.com, and we can figure that out today. One of, one, of, one of the dangers, I think, is we have all had challenging mental health and we've watched our kids have challenging mental health as well, is we get on the other side and it feels a little bit like we're on the other side of this pandemic, even though we're not statistically. I think emotionally we are. We just all are. And I think one of the dangers that we all face is there's a real shortage of healthcare workers that can help us with our mind and our mindset and our brain health and just checking in with us and making sure that we're okay. I talk about therapy on this show, and for some people, they can't afford therapy. So I'm one of the lucky ones that, that can afford that. For a lot of us, we can't. People ba bag on AA a lot, but you know what? AA is free, and it's worked for a lot of people. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can do in Clubhouse and other things online where you can join groups, and I encourage people to do that. Did you know if you decide that you want to tackle a big thing in your life, like maybe you're going to eliminate something like smoking or you're going to drink less or not drink at all, or you're going to begin to exercise. If you try to do that alone in a silo, about 97% of the time you fail. But did you know if you get involved with a group of people or let's say that you begin to see a therapist, if you have somebody that you can talk to, 
that asks you tough questions and you allow that and checks in with you and you can check in with them. Now go ahead and attack that behavior or that lifestyle change or leveling up or whatever you want to call it. You push yourself right into the 90% percentile as far as success goes. We succeed when we tell others. We succeed when we take things that are in the dark of our lives and we drag them into the light. That's when we succeed. That's when we have success because we don't go it alone. Humans need human connection. And we certainly found that out through the, through the pandemic. So we got to make sure that, that we have people to check in with. And as I've shared with you before, my child will blow me away sometimes because he checks in with me and he'll ask me how my mental health is. And he learned that from Nurse Joan at school. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about our mental health. Let's talk about the brain. Are there things that we can do to help heal the brain, especially if we had trauma? My mom is here. She's almost 80 years old. And what's beautiful about her, we went to dinner last night. And in a, real, in, in a real open way, I was able to tell her and share with her some of the things in my childhood that created trauma for me. And she sat there and listened, which she's never really done before. So to be 80 and curious and listen and to not feel attacked by that because she was a part of my childhood as well, right? She sat there and she listened to me. And it really helped me to think, wow, here's my mom, almost 80 years old. And, and she's, she's listening to her child, who is now 55 years old. And, 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 and it began part of a real healing for me that I haven't experienced before with her. So it was really cool, really, really cool. Anyway, there's some good science out there that says that the brain can heal itself, that you can help with that if you're willing to do some things and you're willing to do the work. So I'm just going to roll through a couple of these things. This story was in women's health, and we get a lot of our stories from women's and men's health, and I think it's really good. Uh, and we'll put this in the show notes. It's called Leveling Up Your Mindset. And be really careful, you guys, about having mantras and reading things, but not having the things that you read or the mantra you created, not having it change you or, or, or allowing it to change you. So anyway, uh, here's a, five or six things that they said will help you heal the brain and heal your heart if you're on this journey of saying, hey, I've been through a lot here through COVID. Number one, Ron, uh, why don't you guide your journey or think about guiding your journey with a mantra? My mantra this year is I can do hard things. And when I fail, I will learn from those hard things. And next time, hopefully, I'll do it better and really seeing failure as fuel to fail forward to move forward again that can just be a lot of gobbledygook words if somehow you're not internalizing that really spending time with that and then challenging yourself putting that mantra to the test and that's what i tried to do a couple of weeks ago with open water diving what about you what what about a mantra for the for the journey what are your thoughts uh, on i that? have a, a couple things that i do in that regard number one and, and i i figured this out i was watching a a thing uh on how to do some stuff on my computer. And it turns out if you have an iPhone uh, in your um, to-do list feature, you can set things up to ping you at intervals of time. So what I did is I went in there and I wrote down some of these things like you have on your mantras uh, that I want to be mindful of. And so it'll say, I'll, I'll make a phrase and I'll say, hey, remind me of this every two weeks at this time of the day, just have it show up on my the front of my screen. 
And so I, I have about a dozen of these different things that I'm trying to be mindful of. And in just ran, it feels random now, even though I set it up. So every couple days or once or twice a day, or once or twice a week, I'll just get this message to remind me of the thing that I wanted to concentrate on. And so they will just pop up. And I find that too. Sometimes it's annoying that like you're in the middle of something, yeah. it pops up and you just sort of disregard it. But other times it pops up and you're like, oh yeah, I, I did want to pay attention to that. And so good reminder from my phone that it just popped up. And then I found there's another one that's an actual app that you buy. I think it was like five bucks or whatever. And it will just flash you uh, messages and you can sort of curate what type of messages you want to receive, um, whether it's relationship stuff or motivation stuff or workout stuff, whatever it is, uh, mental health stuff. And you say the frequency as well. So, hey, a couple times a day, we're going to flash you a message, flash you a mantra. And and I think even... The worst case scenario that, that you said, um, just reading it, pausing for a second and reading it, even if it doesn't affect your life or you don't absorb it or whatever the word is you used, I still think that's a net positive. So even if you're aspirational in like exercise, let's say, just taking that second and go, yes, I, I still believe that. Uh, I, I am on the path to do better in that arena. And even if it means that you didn't work out today or even tomorrow or even the next day, continuing to think about it, continuing to put it in the forefront of your mind, I think is still a net positive. I do get what you're saying, though. There are some people that just want to collect the bumper stickers and they want to put them on their car uh, and not do anything, but they were trying to signal to somebody else that they're in that tribe. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. With those Number two, things. don't go in alone. If you're trying to do some self-healing, have a buddy. And, and I think this is really good on the small stuff. It's basically saying in the article, suck it up and get through it and face it yourself because you don't want to turn relationships into calling someone and just dumping all your shiznit on them because that's no relationship right there. And that's a one way flow and that's not going to happen. That doesn't work out. And that person is going to start avoiding you. But when you really take a moment and you, and you, you pick up the phone, you jump on a zoom call, you get a cup of coffee and you, and you share your really heavy, just the real heavy stuff with somebody else. uh, I think that that's important. It's a, it's very important to do. So so find a buddy, make sure you have that connection. And if you don't have a buddy, that's what support groups are for you guys. And there's so many great support groups online. So even uh, if you're not so, uh, a person that wants to have an A, right, in that support group, there's other types of support groups uh, that I think you can find uh, and you can and you can be comfortable with that. Number three, uh, give yourself some self-love. And, and I don't do this as much as I used to, but when I really started going to therapy, I really felt so bad about myself as I started facing things in life and seeing some uh, of my own destruction that I caused in other people's lives. And as I was going through and and making amends with people, uh, I, there's a lot of things about myself I did not like. There's a lot of things about myself that were hard to face. It's one thing to stop a behavior, but then once you stop behavior, now you have this mental space to say, okay, why was I doing this behavior? How do I correct this behavior? Who have I affected with this behavior? How do I make amends with this behavior? And then how do I forgive myself ultimately? So it talks about sitting down and writing things and writing nice messages to yourself. It sounds a little cheese ball, 
but uh, I will write a post-it note still to myself every once in a while just to remember the journey that I'm on and how far I've come. Uh, I take pictures of my journey and I put them up in my closet and I do something called closet workouts where I just go in the closet and I work out in there. Uh, I have a pretty important day that I used to write on my hand when I would trail run. I have pictures of me taking a picture of my hand. So I have two, day 285 of therapy and it's a picture and it's up on a mirror in my closet right next to a little boy with a firefighter hat on just remembering the things that are important see that's the work right there that's the work having a place to go to get with yourself to look in the mirror to face yourself and then to look and see the things that are important to you uh i think it's really important that we understand uh self-love because so many of us understand self-loathing I have so many in the closet jokes right now. Can I, I'm just going to leave, leave that off to the side, but no, I think that's really good. Uh, and I've t- t- taken a page of that in a sense and done some post-it notes. It, it, fe- it feels weird when I do it, but I know it's the right thing to do. It feels like, ah, like really do I need to, to write this down on a post-it note and stick it somewhere? And yeah, it's all about, I think, these these techniques to me are all about interrupting yourself from just being on autopilot. Yeah. Couple more things here on self-healing. Uh live in the present. Do things that make you live in the present. You you do that a lot. Yeah, and that's why, you know, for me, travel is is such a thing because it's a novel experience. Like our brain seeks out novelty. And uh if you are in and that's one of the things I think that was so hard about the pandemic is it forced us all to really constrict our lives. And we, we lost all the novelty. Uh, we lost a, a novel experiences. And that can be as simple as something like, oh, I'm, I'm walking uh, in a park that I haven't been in, or I've been to, uh, I'm seeing a, a friend that I haven't seen for a long time. Uh, a lot of those things were stripped away from us. And so seeking out those novel experiences, but also finding those things that put you in a flow state. And whether that's a hobby or exercise or, you know, whatever that may be for scuba diving, whatever it is, being in that flow state is really great on your brain. Yeah, also tap into spirituality, whatever that is for you, and also just just believing in what you're doing. And then a couple of concrete things you can do. Uh, you can apply the love languages or that concept to your life. If you don't understand love languages, give us a Google. There's a, a lot of great books out there about love languages and figuring out what your love language is. Also, learning to breathe intentionally. There's a lot of stuff online and apps online that, that can help you with that. And also, just heading outside and connecting to nature does something. Remember this, in your brain, the neurons that fire together are wired together. In your brain, uh, if we took it out, don't forget it's a muscle. If we took it out of that skull of yours. And it needs to be worked in the same way that your heart heart muscle needs to be worked. And a lot of us do things for heart health, but we don't do things for brain health. And brain health, especially as we get older, is so important. And we got to make sure that we're just not living this reflective life where we're a reflexive life where we're just we're falling out of bed and we're just reacting and responding to things that are happening to us. Instead of saying, I'm going to wake up today, I'm going to participate in my story, I'm going to participate in this life, and I'm going to take time 
to heal my brain because those neurons that are firing, they're like a train track in your mind, right? And let's say you're on a train from Seattle to Spokane and there's this behavior, you know, and for me, it was was numbing on a Friday night. That was my behavior. So much pressure from the radio station, so much pressure in being a single dad. And so I would sit down with with a bottle and a half of Chardonnay on my own and I, and, and I would drink to deal with the stress of that. So that's my train track in my brain every Friday night. And I still feel it sometimes on Friday nights. I have to be very mindful when a Friday night is coming and I feel stressed because of that old train track that runs between Seattle and Spokane in my brain. There's this train track and the train's going up and down the track every Friday night, right? You may do that with a Seahawk game. That's the train track. For me, uh, it was Friday nights. And so what happened when I said, you know what? I'm not going to run that train down that track anymore in my brain. I'm just not going to do it. And so in order to have any kind of success with that, what I had to do is I had to change the destination and said, you know, I'm going to jump on that train and I'm going to go to Vancouver instead of going to Spokane. But in order for that train in my brain to learn, I'm going to Vancouver now. And maybe going to Vancouver means on a Friday night, instead of sitting at home and numbing, on a Friday night, that's when I go hit a trail run. I'm going to do something positive and good for me, and I'm going to run that train and run that track. And what happens over time when you do that is your brain actually heals, and that train that you're running from here to Spokane, that for me was the drinking and the numbing train, that train stops running, right? But the track is always there. But the track begins to diminish. And now when Fridays come, I feel like, hey, it's Friday, and I'm running that train over to Discovery Park, and that's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to trail run. I have to be cognitive of the fact that the train from here to Spokane and that train track is still there, but I don't run that train anymore. I'm running that train on a different track. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, that's the end of uh, episode 421. So if you need to get in touch with uh, us, uh, the best way to do it is either on the website or email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. If you've been thinking about jumping in the real estate game, ronanddonsitdown.com. We have a uh, buyer's playbook, seller's playbooks, all kinds of resources. But really the best thing we've found is the Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call and we can see if we would be a good team for you. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, keep your head up and your shoulders back. If you need us, go to ronadonsitdown.com, as Ron just said. I want to thank Les Schwab Tires for sponsoring today's show. The summer driving season is here. Stop by Les Schwab right now. They have a hell of a sale going on right now. I think you're going to love it. Also, I want to thank Mitch from Mitch.loans. If you're looking to refi, not a lot of people are right now, but if you're looking to buy, Money is still cheap at 5 and 6%, you guys. It's not like it's 18 to 28% like it was in the 70s when my mom was out selling real estate. She reminded me of that on her trip here. So anyway, Mitch.loans, if you need some help, maybe buying that second home or that investment property uh, that you've always wanted to buy. Till next time, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you right here. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show only on The Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.